Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm your host, Lou Rosenfeld. My guest today is Danielle Barnes, CEO of Women Talk Design. Danielle, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me here, Lou. It's great to have you. Danielle and I have been talking quite a bit the last couple of years because we share uh, an interest in helping people give really great presentations. Um, let's talk a little bit first about Women Talk Design, uh, an organization that has uh, literally helped hundreds of speakers and event organizers uh, to get great presentations out there and from uh, an extremely diverse group of speakers uh, and not just women. I know you work with uh, people who are LGBTQ, BIPOC, Latinx, um, other groups. Yeah, women and non-binary folks in design and tech is normally uh, the, our community uh, is made up of a really diverse group within, um, within those populations. Yeah, so at Women Talk Design, our mission is uh, to elevate the voices of mm-hmm. women and non-binary folks. And it's really expanded outward. I think originally we were more focused specifically on diversity on stage. And because um, traditionally there are a lot of white, cis, straight males on stage, we focused our energy on women and non-binary folks. Um, but, you know, I think over the past couple of years have brought in that out because we realized that it's not just about the people that we see on stage. It's about the people whose voices we hear um, in meetings and mm-hmm. read in books. And, and so have expanded our mission to make sure that we're hearing the voices of women and non-binary folks. So you're, you're, you're going beyond the stage then? Mm-hmm. Talk a little yes, bit more about that. Stage. Yeah, so this, you know, this shows up in the community that we have and the way that we support them, um, and also some of our trainings and programs. So we do a lot of public speaking training, both for the community and also within organizations. And so the the programs that we teach are not just about crafting conference talks, but also about crafting presentations at meetings. Uh, we've also worked with organizations on. Um, designing more inclusive meetings so that everyone can be heard. So thinking about whose who's voice you're hearing in a meeting and speaking up at work. And I think another thing that's really been on my mind recently is who we cite when it comes to our presentations, when it comes to the books, um, who are we highlighting? And um, so, yeah, really, really thinking beyond just who we see on stage, which I think is important for a lot of reasons because, um, you know, the people we see on stage are the ideas that we hear and the people we view as leaders, which is, um, I think, a really important piece to focus on, but it's not, it's not the only way that we view people as leaders and hear their ideas. Uh, that's really interesting because you, yeah, you, you, you know, you sort of start with the sort of most visible setting, which is the stage itself. Mm-hmm. But then, and I've seen this as well, it starts to kind of go upstream to the people who are ultimately in gatekeeping roles and mm-hmm. uh, having them uh, uh, themselves be uh, more diverse, but also have uh, a little more care in terms of um, who they are putting on stage if they control stage. I'm in that role all the time, mm-hmm. and it's been very helpful for me to think about um how important that gatekeeping role is, but are you also then, as you sort of move upstream, are you finding that you're like in a position to almost train those gatekeepers, like the people then who set up the meetings at work or the people who are responsible for 
Well, you mentioned things like books and, and other readings. How does that play out in that context? Yeah, that's a good question. And we've always thought about kind of the, the two sides of, of changing the, the equation. There's uh, the systems and the people who are making decisions about who we hear from. And then there's the people we want to hear from, women and non-binary folks. Um, and I think early on, we're trying to do a little bit of both of that. So we talk to event organizers and say, hey, you need to design more inclusive events that our speakers actually want to be a part of. And you need to be reaching out to these speakers and inviting them to speak and paying them to speak. Uh, and then at the same time, talking to women and non-binary folks and saying, raise your hand to speak and let us equip you with um, some of the tools and practice that you can feel more confident sharing your ideas. And over the past couple of years, we've focused more and more on the individual level and on the community level, because rather than us just trying to raise our voice as an organization to change the system, we found it really impactful to empower all, all of these individuals in this larger community with, uh, you're not alone in feeling this way. It's um, not just you and that you're not smart enough or you're not ready to do this um, and so that they can advocate for themselves and one another. Um, now, as we've been working with organizations, um, still, I think we're, we're working a lot with individual contributors and folks that are growing as leaders. Uh, but when I mentioned the, the meeting part that came up recently, we we're working with an organization that said, we would love to hold a workshop to help people speak up in meetings or certain people we're not hearing from. And traditionally it's often women and non-binary folks and other folks that are marginalized in the workplace. And we came to them instead and said, well, we'd much rather help you on the other side of this and say, how can we design more inclusive meetings so mm -hmm. that folks can be heard? Because so often the people that aren't being heard are being told to change and fit into a system. And really it's, you know, set up to not support them. And so I, as an organization, I think we are more heavily, our, our work is more heavily skewed to working towards with the individual, but um, know that in order to really make the change, we need to change the systems and uh, influence the people in charge. Well, I definitely want to talk about um, the sort of uh, very concrete things that the individuals can do. Uh, and we'll get back to that, but let's let's stay a little longer on the organizations and, and the people in gatekeeping roles. When you help them, what are the big changes in mindset or perspective that they have to make? What are the big challenges they're facing that you're helping them through? Yeah, you know, I think one of the the biggest pieces that's important to start with is just paying attention to who we're hearing from. I think that you know, some of the times when we start that workshop, folks might say, you know, I've never had a hard time speaking up or sharing my ideas in meetings, but if this is a problem, then I want to hear about it. So tell me more. So I think even just to start is by paying attention to who is speaking up, who you're hearing from, who you're not hearing from. Um, and then I think that, you know, a huge important piece of, of giving folks space to share their ideas is creating safe spaces and psychological safety. And I will say, you know, we don't personally do that work as much of like intense training on creating psychological safety. I think there's a lot of fantastic folks out there that are doing that work. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, Ella Weinberg is one of our instructors. And um, I know she does a lot of work on that. And uh, there's a lot of other folks that we'll recommend. Um, but I think that's part of it is like, are folks even safe to speak up? And um, what can you do to create a safe space? 
Uh, also around having, and this is where I love when we were talking about Priya Parker's work, um, when it comes to any type of meeting or gathering, having some um, guardrails around it and saying, okay, if we want people to share their ideas, how are we communicating that we want them to do that? And then setting up kind of boundaries for that to happen. Um, and so if we're going to have folks share their ideas, can this be time limited so that everyone can share mm -hmm. or um, share in a forum that everyone will have time and space to in smaller groups or, um, you know, through, through chat. Um, another, another piece that I think is really important, and this comes to the paying attention, uh, is to empower folks that are there that may not necessarily be in the position of power, so the facilitator or the person starting the meeting, to be advocates for everyone else. So in, in this workshop that we do, we talk about um, the importance of, of having someone who is the advocate to make sure that everyone is heard. So even though everyone should be pay paying attention to this, someone specifically should be doing this. And I recently, I was just reading Minda Hartz's new book on um, healing for uh, Black women who've experienced trauma in the workplace. And she does a lot of fantastic work and talks about how we can create more inclusive spaces specifically um, for Black women at work and talked about having like someone, a, a third party neutral person in a meeting to be able to pay attention to things and to, um, you know, report back and say what is actually happening. And um, so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of legs to this idea there. So this is interesting that, um, you know, when we think about, or at least when I think about meetings, um, I always think, wow, you need to have someone there to really design the meetings. We have a book on meeting design. Obviously, I'm, I'm a believer in that. But what What's interesting here is you're you're kind of digging into the role or really the roles a bit yeah. more. Like mm -hmm. there may, you know, you can't have everyone have a role if there's only three people in the meeting maybe, but <laughs> at a certain point you do need a few of these roles covered. So it sounds like one is, you know, maybe managing the agenda, but another might be ensuring that everyone gets to be heard. Were there, were there some others that seem to be coming up um, in meeting design for you? Yeah, the other ones that we've talked about were just helping keep time because I think that's one of the things that comes up is that you plan to have discussion at the end and then you run out of time mm -hmm. or you know being able to move on from certain things. Um, keeping notes is important. And this is something we talk about a lot is who you are assigning these roles. I think traditionally women are often assigned the note taker. And so um, it being really important to pay attention to who's being assigned these roles and to change up who's, who's being assigned each role. And I think that it might be specific towards what the meeting is and, and what you know, is important within the organization. Um, but I think one of the things that we really start with is again, this awareness of what are the things that might stop people from speaking up in meetings? And this is everything from safety to accessibility mm -hmm. to time to, you know, yeah, consequence of what's going to happen if you're talked over or your ideas are taken. And so I think starting with the problem is really important and then figuring out, you know, what are the things that we can do to design um, well, thank you. I, I, you know, I, I obviously thought I knew a bit about women talk design. I know a little bit about it, but I didn't realize that you folks were working at, at the kind of meeting level inside of organizations. I did one more question about it, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm wondering if the, this sort of uh, 
re-examination of meeting design is like kind of running into cultural challenges in your experience, you know, uh, whether it's an engineering culture versus a marketing culture or whether it's financial services culture versus tech culture. I wonder if you found um, any patterns there in terms of environments that are a little more welcoming to re-examining how meetings are held. It's a good question. I mean, we do, those programs that we've done specifically have been with design teams. And so, you know, one of the thing that elements that we introduce is that meetings should be designed. And I think so often we just schedule a meeting and put it on the calendar and, you know, don't pay attention to it. And I do find that designers as folks who are designing, right, are open to this idea of, oh, let's let's re-examine this, let's design our meeting, um, haven't worked as much across teams specifically for that program. And, you know, I will say this is, I, this is how Women Talk Design is continuing to evolve based on the input that we're getting from our community and from folks that we're working with. But we do still do a lot of our work is specifically in presentation and public speaking. Um, and so I think that the meeting piece comes into play of who's this larger idea of whose ideas we're hearing, which is really important, uh, but it's, it's still on the newer side of our work. It's fascinating. Um... And uh, I'm sure we could talk about it some more, but I do want to get to uh, discussing what happens on stage and what advice you have for people, the individual presenters or speakers. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back to it. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive and very engaging for groups. And that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities. Again, it is free by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth. We'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. So happy to have Danielle Barnes from Women Talk Design uh, talking with me today. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, how organizations and, and people in roles of controlling, to some degree, meetings uh, and conversations uh, can learn to do things a bit differently and more inclusively. And uh, Danielle talked a little bit about the workshops that Women Talk Design do for 
a variety of organizations in that regard. But we wanted to get back to the folks who are actually going to be on stage. Um, Danielle, you've just got tons of experience helping them. Um, what's what, what are the pieces of, of advice you keep coming back to regularly? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm really lucky to work with so many incredible speakers because I learn so much from them every day. And, you know, there's, I think one of the things that's hard with public speaking is there's so many elements to it. There's everything from coming up to, to, with your idea to crafting your presentation to practicing. And so there is a lot of areas of advice that, you know, you can, you can come back to. I think one of the first things that I always start with, regardless of where you are in the process, is being really clear about your why. And this starts from the beginning of why you want to speak and making sure that you identify that. It'll help you figure out what you want to talk about and then why you're giving this presentation right now and the goal of it that'll help focus your presentation. I think it's also a great reminder, and I've had several speakers talk to me about this, of what they do when they're nervous right before they start speaking and coming back to your why and recentering, like, this is why I want to be doing this. Um, so I think that that why is so important, starting from the beginning and revisiting it over time. So that's a big piece. I think another thing that's important to remember is that when you're delivering a presentation, it's you're, you're not doing it just for yourself, even if you have an internal why, it's about your audience. And at Women Talk Design, we use a framework um, that was created or coined by Christina Woodkey, who you know well, she's uh, actually the founder of Women Talk Design and a lecturer at Stanford, an author, and she has this framework called CAMP, and she calls it a theory for designing just about anything. And so um, one of, we teach this framework a lot in our programs, and one of the important pieces is considering who is your audience, because ultimately you're designing an experience for them and keeping that really at the center. So you have this why of why you're doing this, but ultimately you have an audience that you're designing towards. And so really focusing on, on them and the experience that you're creating from them for them. I think when it comes to like showing up as a presenter, there's so much great advice out there. We have uh, Denise Jacobs has taught with us and given us great advice. Eleanor Mason Reinholdt, who's a um, design leader and actor. And I would say of all of that, the one piece I always come back to is to breathe. And it, it's like the most basic advice, but I think so impactful for so many reasons to just give yourself a moment to pause and breathe. It can help calm your nerves. It can help you mix things up in your presentation and you can play with your tone and um, your how you're presenting. It also just, it can help like you be present. And I, I think breathing does so much. And so that's, that's always my number one piece of speaking advice is breathe. That's great advice. Um, have you found any um, uh, specific uh, pieces of advice that have come to you and, and the people you work with uh, for remote presentations specifically? Because gosh, you know, we've had a crash course in that over the past 18 months. Yeah, you know, I think coming back to the audience, I think it's really important to really center how you're going to involve them in your presentation and engage them. And I'm actually hoping that this is something that comes back more toward when we do resume in-person presentations that people focus on this as well. But there's this big question of, are folks paying attention? How can I read the room when it's, when it's digital and, and something that um, we always share at Women Talk Design is to build an engagement from the start. 
So if you think about your presentation and think about really early on how you're going to engage your audience, um, the questions that you might ask, the things that you'll have them do, the ways in which they'll participate and engage with your presentation, then it'll both be more engaging, uh, but also help give you that feedback of what questions do people have? How are they responding to things? Are they paying attention? So doing things like building in polls or opportunities to share in the chat or annotating your screen uh, and, and really thinking about that from the beginning and building it into your presentation will just make it so much more interesting and engaging and beneficial to you as a speaker who will get all this this input from your audience. Well, that's great advice. And it's actually, for obvious reasons, the whole remote presenting issue is on my mind um, quite a bit these days. I feel like I've come up with some interesting advice for people, but I'm now wondering as we move to events that will be um, available both uh, in person and remotely concurrently, if this advice is going to be good. So here, I'll throw it out at you and, and we'll see mm -hmm. what you think. Um, when I'm working with remote speakers, what I tell them to do is, listen, I say, listen, you know, you're used to having an audience and seeing their body language and, you know, their, their, their eyes and, and getting some energy back from them, ideally, um, as well as feedback. You don't have that. What I tell folks to do is don't think about presenting to an audience. I tell them to think about presenting, to, or actually speaking to another person, just like you and I are doing right now, mm -hmm. just to one other person and making it more like a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I go as far as to say, you know, if there's someone that, is like your 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 partner of sorts who you would love to present to or, or practice with or is your mentor and they make you feel safe and comfortable take a photo of them and tape that photo to your monitor so you see them you're reminded of them as you're presenting you gotta I, do it right by the camera yeah. so that you're making eye contact with the camera exactly yeah. but mm -hmm. i've had a number of people who are remote presenters tell me i i, I i'm Gotcha. I'm doing that in one better, Lou. I'm, I'm actually taking my phone and FaceTiming that person mm -hmm. and putting them right uh, beneath the camera, you know, sitting on top of, let's say, the, the keyboard and, uh, you know, obviously having the volume turned down. But I see them and they're giving me thumbs up and, you know, or, or kind of telling me to, you know, uh, signal to me to, to hurry up, whatever it might be. And yeah. I think that's a really good model but now I'm wondering when we have people who are on stage, they might be in person, they might not, but their audience will be in person and yes. virtual. And I'm wondering if this conversational mode can work in both. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that we can learn from virtual presenting that will work for in person. And I've had several instructors, um, Nina Kothunderaman and Eleanor um, Mason Reinholdt again, who've talked about the importance of finding your people in your audience who are your nodders, are the person that like is following along. I think it helps you a lot as a speaker to feel like you're talking to individual people, especially people that are supporting you. And, you know, I think that feeling like you're having a conversation with someone is so powerful. It's, it's more engaging than just mm -hmm. like watching some, you know, some person that's far away and maybe on stage that um, you can lose that connection with. So I love that idea. I think that keeping it really um, conversational, even once you're 
in person. I do think when it comes to hybrid, there's a whole other conversation about how to design experiences for both of those people. Cause I do think there's different elements that might be involved. Oh my God. Um, yes. yes. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it. I mean, things is, is, you know, maybe is as tactical as having a, a separate MC for each experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. you know, I'll tell you what's really a headache is just how to work with time and time zones. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. Yeah. I have a, a good friend, Dorothy Levin, who uh, worked early on in her career at the Maury show and said she learned a lot about the way that they do that type of live TV. They have these different experiences and different people supporting the people that are the at-home audience first in person. And it was like, we can just learn so much from uh, daytime TV about how we can design these hybrid experiences. Yeah, I guess there's a reason that uh, when they hold up the clap, you know, the applause card, <laughs> we don't see it at home. Um, yes. Yeah, this stuff is very much designed. Oh, well, we could definitely find uh, um, at least another podcast's uh, uh, well, we could definitely fill another podcast with this part of the discussion about designing, uh, whether you even call it hybrid is a whole interesting discussion. But um, we are running down on time, and so I want to make sure we honor the Rosenfeld Review tradition of um, calling out someone or something that you think our listeners might want to learn about uh, and may not get enough attention. Got yeah. something for us. It's a good question. I, I was telling you earlier, Lou, that it's it's always so hard because I feel like there's so many amazing speakers in the Women Talk Design community that I, there's always people that I want to hype and, and tell folks about. Um, but two women, and not specifically women in the Women Talk Design community, but that I have been following right now and love their work and think everyone should know about their work um, is Ruchika Tulshana and Jody Ann Burry, who um, wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review and read by millions of people. So um, I don't think that they're necessarily not heard of. They're, they're, they're becoming more and more well-known. They were just on the Brene Brown podcast, um, but about stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. And it is such a powerful article and perspective on, you know, a lot of the work that we do is, is working to empower women and non-binary folks to speak up and share their ideas. And and what they're saying is that, um, you know, it's not that women have imposter syndrome. It's that the the systems are are set up to tell them that they don't, they don't belong. They're not doing these things right. Um, And especially for women of color. And so they're just doing really important work um, in that space. And I think everyone should know about it. One more time. Yes, this is Ruchika. Tulshana, and mm-hmm. hopefully I'm pronouncing their names correctly, and Jody Ann Burry. They um, are great to follow on Twitter. They wrote two different Harvard Business Review articles on stop telling women they have imposter syndrome and what the workplace can do about it. And we're recently on Brene Brown's Dare to Leave podcast. Fantastic. That's a that's a great resource, it sounds like, or a couple articles at least. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you, Danielle. Great to have you on the show. Danielle Barnes, CEO of Women Talk Design. Thanks so much, Lou. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review, brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen, and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.